Hi everyone, welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So we probably you probably already heard the news and everything about um, about a man named George George Floyd. He was uh, murdered by uh, well about one guy, but the rest of them stood by police officers over in Minneapolis. Um, and he was killed, suffocated when the officer put all this weight onto one knee and put it right on his neck. He was declared dead um, at the site at the scene now his death has sparked a lot of protesting i mean it's impossible to turn on the news and not hear about the protesting it's it's you saw it all over they burned on targets they you know the protesting just went ballistic and in la they actually blocked off the 101 freeway people were jumping on the cop cars to do it they um they burned down a precinct over at the minneapolis police department when the precincts got burned down and so this has sparked a lot of outrage about racism and about um, cops in general, our law enforcement, our political side of things, because uh, law enforcement is really the policies and the politics of the location that they're at. They're meant to protect people, but they have to uphold laws, and laws are created by politicians, therefore it's one and the same. And so, again, the, qu the biggest issue that's brought up here is about what do we do about racism? That's the big question. There's a lot of different answers people are coming up with. A lot of what people are doing right now is screaming about how racism is absolutely evil and horrific. And I do agree with them. From a biblical worldview, racism is completely and unaccepted. Racism is not acceptable in the Christian church. If you're a Christian, it is unacceptable to be racist in any way, in any way shape, form, or kind. You cannot be racist. If you are, you're not truly a Christian. You're not really a believer in Christ. Now, I could go into the politics, but I think I'll stick more to the biblical side of this, as it is a Christian uh, apologetics podcast you're listening to. But also at the same time, talking about the drawing, not so much, yes, the, the murder of, of, George, of George Floyd, but also the response of what we have been seeing, I wanna, I'm going to address. So... The first part of this was actually, what does the Bible say about racism? You know, how do we conduct ourselves? And the first part that came up to my mind was, I remember listening to Give Me an Answer, um, and I had to research this up a bit, but I remember Pastor Cliff Connectly. Um, I have an interview with him also on my YouTube channel. You can go and take a look at that, Next Generation Saints. But I was listening to him talk about it. I had to look this up as well. And I heard about this from Dr. the late Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And it really stems from several sources. But one of the big ones I thought was Luke. You can find it in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. If you want to turn there and read it with me, or I'll just I'm just going to read out loud. You follow as you see fit. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. Do you read it? He answered, love, um, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, <clears throat> and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wa wanted to justify himself, so he asked, so he asked Jesus, 
And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went on their way, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side of the road. So, too, a Levite, when he came to, to the place and saw him, passed by another side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put a man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell at the hands of the robbers? The expert in law replied, The one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Now, to understand why this is an important story to be held, because it's so easy when I read it to just be like, Okay, big deal, what's, what's it? The racial culture of that time period uh, was the Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. If you want to have a more relit, relit, um, relevant look on this, it would be the like the 1960s, over um, well late about mid 1950s to the 60s, right inside there, when you had racial tensions over in the South over segregation. I don't need to explain any further about that. It's pretty self-evident. So the Jews were thought to be better off than anyone else. That's how they acted, that's how they treated, that's how they did everything. And Samaritans were the lower end of the totem pole. <clears throat> the interesting part about this story is it shows that the people who were supposed to be the most righteous and perfect and everything had looked down on people just because of they were a different race than who they were, than this Jew was. The Jew was a different race than the Samaritan. And therefore, he wasn't going to help out. It was also considered to be unclean to touch them, but basically to let most of their ideology as race-related in this story. So Jesus is pointing out that the person that was actually good was the one on the lowest end of the totem pole, who put their heart first and really did an act that God would really appreciate, showing a direct frontal attack against the racist ideology, saying, Jews aren't good, the Samaritans are actually good. That would be no different than in the 1950s going to the South and saying that the black, the whites aren't good, the blacks are good, and everyone and saying that in an all-white bar or saying that the blacks are, uh, the whites are good and the blacks are bad in an all-black. You know what I mean? It basically, uh, what I'm doing is switching it around. It wouldn't be popularized to say so, and it was also you hear the rabbi, uh, the well, the teacher of the law, trying to justify almost racist ideology. You know, let me justify it somehow. How, how do you know what? So I can muddy it up a bit so I can get away with doing these things. Now, that's one big part of the story. The other half that we keep, I keep hearing people raise is, how are we going to end racism? That's a big one. How? How is this going to happen? Do you see racism? We talk about passing policies and uh, pers and. Uh, judging uh, police that are doing wrong things and politicians. And I agree with all these different things. Like we should basically create laws that are against racism, but laws are just laws at the end of the day. They don't hold much water realistically. Uh, what I mean by that is they never get to the core of the problem. They're a bandage on a broken limb, on a broken arm. You're not fixing the overall problem. You're just trying to stop the bleeding from leaking out and saying, if you bleed it, put a bandaid on. That's all it is. 
So how do we answer this question? How do we solve the problem of racism? I've talked about this many times before. The answer is ultimately Jesus Christ. Now, why do I say Jesus Christ? Why, why is this important? Why is this like a thing to say that we need to have Jesus Christ in order to solve the problem? Maybe you think he's just a religious figure. Why would Jesus solve anything? We need stronger actions. The way I look at it is because when you read in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is saying to love one another. He says this, quote, In new, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's calling us to love. He's calling us to be loving to each other. And I think it's a very important model to do. The second one, because I know a lot of people are like, well, they're not going to love each other. What am I supposed to do with somebody who hates me? You know, like the police hate... Let's say these, these racist officers obviously hated black people. And there's obviously other police officers who are very racist. I can't say that all police officers are this way. There are. It's like having a good plumber and a bad plumber. It's like having a good HVAC technician, a bad HVAC technician. They're gonna have, you're not going to have black and white. There's going to be gray in between. But we have to weed out the people who are bad. That's what I agree with, 100%. So how do we do this? How do we, you know, go about solving this problem? Well, one of the things I was looking at was how do we show, how do we change people? Because we can continuously, um, you know, protest and yell and scream, go to politicians and scream and yell and say we need more laws, more justification, all these different things. And they can create things that can crack down on these things, which is really good. But ultimately, what can we do individually to solve this particular problem? Well, if you look over the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, I always summarize it up and say, love one another, again. But it really reads out this. You have heard it said that it was said to you, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He, care, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do, do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If all you're going to do is say, Black Lives Matter and they only accept black people, or like the Black Panthers, if you're only white supremacists and you only accept whites, what are you guys doing that's different? For those people who are protesting about this racist action, I, I agree with the protesting. I do not agree with the rioting. What are you guys doing when I hear you guys on social media saying, hate white people, hate white people, white people are bad. How are you any different than the white supremacists at the end of the day? How are you any different than the Ku Klux Klan or the neo-Nazi? If all you are is filled with hate for your neighbor and, you're not, and you have hatred for your enemy, how does it make you any different than your enemy? You know, I heard really good stories about going into war in Afghanistan and whatnot. And I know there's a lot of people have different opinions about this, but I want to draw from a main point, which is when, when we're talking about going to war, and let's say in Afghanistan, and where they use children to strap bombs onto them and they blow them up, there was a big question is, do we play as dirty as our enemy? 
Well, then the big ethical question came up. Well, then what makes us different than our enemy? If we're going to play the same tactics as our enemy back towards them, how does it make you any better than they are? You're just the same exact problem you're claiming to want to fight. So that's why Jesus is saying, don't hate your enemy. And I know it's so difficult to do that nowadays. I have a difficult time with it. I have people I really don't like. I have people who absolutely hate me. But I have a choice to make. That's what God brings up. You have a choice to make. But, I mean, it always goes down the circular thought and reasoning. Which is, again, to illustrate again. If you hate your enemies, what makes you any di- and they're willing And you're willing to act in riots and all sorts of stuff. What makes you any different than they are? If you're willing to hate all white people, how does it make you any different than the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists, neo-Nazis? How does it make you any different than their hatred? You're just as racist, just as vile as they are. The only difference is you're trying to justify it. You know, that's crazy fire. I've always pointed like in Star Wars. And I love that movie. You know, the movie series, you know, I'm your father. But I think George Lucas makes a really good point in Star Wars. Whenever you see Darth Vader, does he think what he's doing is evil? Does Kylo Ren ever consider what he's doing is evil? No. He's getting vengeance on something, but he believes he has a righteous cause to stop it. Darth Vader thinks... The, the Jedi betrayed me. They have done some horrible things. They, they, killed, they killed Padme. Padme is dead. It's because Obi-Wan and the Jedi did that to her. So I'm going to justify it by killing off as many Jedi as possible. Realistically, aren't you no different than your enemy? If you're going to sit there and go, well, we're going to break into buildings, we're going to shoot cops, we're going to kill these cops, we're going to attack them and attack them and attack them, how are you any different than the cops that you're fighting against? Except for you say, I'm morally justified. How so? They're morally justified. They're even lawfully justified according to the laws and systems in place. Now, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with all the laws. There is, There are laws out there that are meant for racist purposes only, and we need to change those laws. But at the end of the day, they believe they're just as right as you are, that they're just as morally justified as you are. So how do we see this? How do we see each other as all equals here? How do we make it so we're on all equal ground and therefore it's not right to racially do something against somebody else? Well, you can find this easily over in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where it talks about us being equal. And, I, and this is what it says. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's no racism in it. There's no sexism in it. There's nothing in there. We're all equal in Christ Jesus. The beggar, the rich, the police, the black guy or black woman or whatever it is. They're all e- we're all equal together. And we're all creating the image of God. The only way you can truly win against racism is through Jesus Christ. But, all, but showing love and compassion, not violence, anger, and aggression. That's not how you do it. Going around burning down buildings is not the way to go about. Hating people is not acceptable here. Again, as I said before, if you hate white people, you're a black person, you absolutely hate all white people, and you or you support those who hate all white people, then how does it make you any different than your enemy? You're not. You're just as vile, just as terrible, and just as much of a terrorist as they are. The only difference is... You're a black person, and they're a white person. 
you might as well start your own Ku Klux Klan as a black person, or your um, black I'm sorry, black supremacy group, or start a um, Nazi organization that's that twisted so black people are the superior ones because that's exactly what you're heading for. Now, this is where I want to say for the protesting as well. Looting, destroying property, attacking people, and burning buildings down honestly has destroyed your entire position. The whole When the whole world saw this, and people saw it all over, and I listen, read the comments, some people are very much in support, some people are in defense, but the average person, the average American, is looking at what you're doing and thinking to themselves, and they've said it openly also on social media, is you're no better than the cops. You know better than what they stand for. You go out of your way and you destroy. You had you have an entire group of people who are willing to support you. You go and burn down a Target. You burn down an AutoZone. You burn down a bunch of different buildings. You're looting them. Th companies that have no connection to what happened in the first place. They are not supporting the cops. They're not doing anything with this. They're just trying to do their average daily business. And you go off and riot. You loot them. Then you have individuals who are just trying to live their lives out. They're not trying to be involved in any way. And then you attack them. You guys are not showing at all that you're any better. You're much worse than the cops. If you're, you're pretty much on the same area of the cops, if not much worse. What you should have done is like a Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Where he would peacefully protest. Yes, the police would attack them. You saw it during segregation. They attacked them. They arrested them. They shot water at them. They sent the dogs after them. But it may, but by the actions of love and not aggression, you know, it showed that the police and the racist Southern South was the ones being was the ones accountable. That the governors and the and the people in power were the corrupt people. And you could say, "Oh, Nick, you don't understand. You don't understand the situation." Well, I'm not taking it from a from a perspective of a white person. I'm taking perspective of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., black person, who transformed the world, who, who transformed our entire justice system. He he he, you know, he had a huge hand in segregation. He was the he was the cornerstone of it. He had peacefully protested it, saying, and he gave the famous speech, "I have a dream." He premised it off of God's promise and how we're all equal under the eyes of God. That's what he did. So truthfully, when you guys were, when, when a lot of these protesters were doing this, and you're attacking and burning things down, again, you're no better. You destroyed your entire premise. Now, and, and this is what I, now that I think about it, when I was doing my last episode, where I talked about sin and how it's repercussions that you can't see. Out of your anger, <coughs> excuse me, out of your rioting, out of your attack to try to quote unquote justify, bring justice to the to this man, George um, Floyd. You hurt a lot of people. That business you burned down was probably a single mother or a single father who was just trying to put food on the table. That person you beat up is probably a medical area. Probably not going to recover. You probably killed him in the long haul because you caused irreversible damage. That store you looted. You, just, you took away someone's job. You have caused damage to people you don't even know. All because you guys got into a rioting mind. And you destroyed so much. Your sin caused that. 
So yeah, it's it's interesting when you really think about it. It's more of an illustration to the point I had on the last podcast. You and your riot mentality and your anger and your frustration and fury have hurt more people than you're supposed to help. You're meant to bring justice. You're meant to help bring light to the situation. You're meant to make a transformation. You're supposed to be famous. You will not go down as famous. You will go down as infamous. That these were terrifying times. That riots were threatening people who had nothing to do with it. Who probably supported you. Who undoubtedly supported it. Support you in saying this was a racist cause. I've heard more cops online talking about how this was a terrible situation. And you screaming for their death has not helped you. It hasn't. You've hurt your own cause. You've taken a shotgun and blasted your own feet right off. And not only that, you took a knife and started cutting off your own legs. While screaming injustice. Now, for those who peacefully protested, I stand with you on this. I believe that it's a good thing that we need to stand against racism. I stand with you. I stand with the injustice that this man faced. I looked at it and thought it was horrific. I'd stand against every corrupt police officer. Black, white, Asian, Latino. I don't care who you are. I stand against you. Because God stands against what you're doing. I stand against any form of racism. If you believe you're better off, that you are better than somebody else based on the color of your skin. And that they're inferior and gives you the right to mistreat them. I'm against you. God is against you. So... I know I said a lot of things in here that were calling out pro violent rioters, but it was truly need to be said. Here's a big thing. If you want to transform the world, you first need to transform yourself. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ himself. That's it. Always read him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the way he lived taught, died, and rose again. Look at the overwhelming evidence of how reliable he is. Then align yourself with Jesus Christ. Repent as in turn away from your sins, turn away from your racism, turn away from your hatred and your anger and your fury at this. If it's And accept Jesus Christ. After that, then you can love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And at the end of that, you will transform the world around you through Christ. Because I know Christ wants to end this even more than you want to end it. So align yourself with Jesus Christ. Let him into your heart and transform you. Then, and only then, can we officially end racism. So, I'm going to end with that. Until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.